0: Welcome to the post-Thanksgiving episode of Flick 66. I'm your host, Dr. Thomas Parm, and with me as always is Professor... Ryan Isaiah. And we have special guest student critic... Uh, Noah Lett. So we're going to wrap up the Thanksgiving box office. Did y'all have a lot of turkey, or do you you have tofurkey or whatever? I don't don't eat tofurkey. No, that's (laughs) disgusting. Somebody brought it to the Thanksgiving uh, uh, meal I went to. It's like... What is that?
1: (laughs) It's a log of
0: something. It's a log (laughs) of something. Textured vegetable protein. No thanks. With apologies to any veterinarians out there. Yes, I know that was a malapropism. So Ralph Wrecks the Internet, a.k.a. Wreck-It Ralph 2, was top of the box office with $84 million. This was the second strongest Thanksgiving ever. Um, Number two was Creed 2. Runner-up with $56 million. The Grinch dropped to third place with $30 million. Fantastic Beasts fell all the way to fourth with $29 million in its second outing. And Bo-Rap, also known as Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, was fifth in fifth place and made $17 million. They've made their money back and then some. Uh, did any of y'all see any
1: of those? No, I don't go. I told you I'd nope. go to the movies. Oh, play. come on. No, I just can't stand the crowds and it's, it's obnoxious.
2: I like Thank sitting you. in an empty theater. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, that's what I'm talking about. Jeez, you guys. Um, Ralph Rex, The Internet was surprisingly good. Y'all saw the first one, right? Yeah, yes. It was all right. Okay, it was. I would say it's in line with the first one. Uh, the, the, the surprise for both of those films is. What they market and the movie you get is actually better than what they marketed. Hmm. Because with Wreck-It Ralph 1, it was like, oh, the 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 video game bad guy wants to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you anything about Sugar Rush. Yeah. There's an element of Ralph Breaks the Internet, or sorry, Ralph Wrecks the Internet, that is very much... Oh, sorry, I think it is Ralph Breaks the Internet. There is an element yeah, yeah. of that which is very similar, but I'm not gonna divulge because it's a fairly fresh movie. But it was a, it was a refreshing surprise and it was strong storytelling. Uh, the Disney princesses kinda steal the show. They used all the original voices, all the original voices that are still alive. So basically, everybody from Ariel on is their real voice and then Snow White and your legacy princesses, they had to get soundalikes. Uh, Creed two, did y'all see Creed one? I saw Creed 1. Did you like it?
2: Yeah, I, I like Creed 1. Um, I like Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole movie is like 16mm. It looks really kind of gross. Or shot on a 16mm lens. I love how he shoots fight scenes in general. So I thought the movie was fun. It's not like my favorite thing in the world, but I like how he shoots the fights.
1: Okay. I liked it a lot too. I liked it because it it, it, it found a way to revive the story um, to make it interesting again, because I mean Rocky, it's interesting when you look at the progression of Rocky. That in the late seventies he was like this underdog, and uh, you know it wasn't about excess. And then we get into the eighties, it became all about I mean, excess. Yeah, he, and it, which it <laughs> kind of contradicts what it originally was. So the the, the reinvention of the narrative, I, I found interesting the first time. Um, I the the things that I think I was supposed to be interested in kind of didn't surprisingly didn't interest me that one take fight sequence I thought was not I thought impressive was fun. I thought it was alright but you lose the there's no intensity when you have yeah. it just it just goes on um, so it, as I'm watching it I was like wow this is an interesting exercise mm-hmm. and I don't want to be thinking about that while I watch a movie yeah. it was a little too showy for cinematography for me where I'm more interested in like the cinematography than actually what it means to the yeah. narrative uh but aside from that there was a lot of other things that he did that i really liked and i and i think that what makes ryan coogler a fantastic director in both independent and made major studio films is his, his attention to character mm-hmm. um it, that's what makes it a, a great film not yeah how exciting the fight sequences are and i from what i understand is why creed 2 is maybe a mm-hmm. drop in interest for a lot of people but i don't know i haven't seen it
0: it's good it's solid um it's better than it it's better than it has any right to be as the eighth film in a franchise that's been around for 40 plus years. Uh the thing for me that works i i I would argue that the secret weapon is Dolph Lundgren because he's and I read an interview with him uh, for those of you who don't know about Dolph Lundgren aside from he was Ivan Drago in Rocky 4 and He-Man in the 80s Masters of the Universe movie. He's a smart cat. He had like a full ride to MIT and yeah. he ends up dropping out of college to pursue showbiz. Mm-hmm. And he was uh <laughs> he dated Grace Jones, which is crazy because she's scary. <laughs> and he talks about that a little bit. But he play he reprises his role. And it's really what's fascinating for me is the uh Rocky Rocky's relationship with Creed is the dramatic foil or vice versa Ivan Drago's relationship with his son Victor and we find out that after he lost to Rocky he becomes persona agraton so this is like a grudge match for I mean he has a personal investment in his son winning and it's really kind of this movie about fathers and sons you have a biological father and son you have a surrogate father and surrogate son in Rocky and Creed it's it, I mean it's very well done I don't know if they'll make another one because the way the story ends you don't need another one but in terms of uh, it's done well with critics and with box office so and again this is a franchise it's 40 plus years old and fresher than most of the t- that comes out these days Um, anybody see the Grinch besides me? no my mom did <laughs> she thought it was great it's the third telling of the story <laughs> i we talked about the grinch a little bit a couple of weeks ago so i won't beat a dead horse anybody see fantastic beast 2 uh,
1: i'm actually seeing that tonight
0: i've heard such i haven't seen it yet but man there are a lot of i mean the fact that in its second weekend that it's fallen all the way to number four does not bode well and I've spoken with friends and students who've seen it, and some, of the, some, some people were like, it was okay, and some were like, it was terrible. Uh, one capsule review I looked at said, it, ruins Harry po- or it ruined Harry Potter for me, which is just silly, because Harry Potter's there,
1: the books and the previous films. But it ruined a character that's not in the yeah. movie for me. It ruined a <laughs> completely separate Wait, story. Say, Harry Potter's not in Oh, yeah, story, yeah, yeah, so. completely yeah. Completely no, are... yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know, get what... what they're saying. They're, they're using Harry Potter yeah. as, uh, yeah. as a genre. As a synecdoche. And we're going to talk about this ooh, kind of in our ooh. feature
0: story. <laughs> but I think this is really a case where the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Raw greed. Naked
1: greed. Because Fantastic Beasts, the book... Was a reference book. And that was a cash grab. The book, let's be honest, that book was a cash grab. <laughs> I'm gonna release a book of footnotes and like yeah, whatever. But to
0: build a five film series around the book and oh, even though the five off- planned?
1: To what? They have five planned. Five. Oh, I didn't know that. Landmark. Five I'm not surprised though, are you kidding? Like is there has there been any Franchise that ha- that hasn't been bled to death in the last 15, 20 but years. you think like, that,
0: oh my gosh. I, I was just talking to my sci-fi class today about, we talked about the different, term- the topic was time travel, so I put up a graph of all, the, we talked about all the different Terminator films and TV shows and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They need to let that franchise rest a while. Yeah. And my suspicion is they're trying to crank something out while well, they can still use Oro. But the problem is, they haven't been good, really, I like the TV show. I'm a little, you know, they, they were wise enough to not go with Arnold at all. Yeah. And they developed some interesting mythology. But, man, these last few films, and really three through five, come on,
1: stop. I'm okay with three, but when they made a PG-13, <sighs> I was like, no. And they had a CGI Schwarzenegger. Which, 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 no, which
0: one was PG thirteen? Was that? That four? was the Christian
1: Bale one. That's yeah. four. The four, four right. Salvation. 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 Yeah. Which was supposed to be the beginning of a new trilogy. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. And then they had the last one, which was supposed bad, to reboot. Cameron Genesis? likes. Yeah. yeah. Cameron yeah.
0: likes the last one. Oh. He gave it his th-
1: his th- his
0: seal of approval.
1: I saw it in three D and it was like being on like a roller coaster ride for two hours but did nothing I wanted to see again or think about no. it was just visual effects that's M- it
0: my problem is this whole and Star Trek the 11th Star Trek film was the first to do it but this whole ooh Splinter Universe everything you know is wrong it's like brand no it's not brand new it's the same franchise and all you're doing is taking the tropes and twisting them somehow saying oh aren't we clever we twisted the tropes so instead of this happening that's ugh
1: you know, like, but I'm 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 irritated with with even things that I probably shouldn't be irritated with are irritating me at this point. So I need to just like let it all go. I'm even <laughs> I'm watching A Handmaid's Tale and I get through the second season and I'm like. How, how much are you going to drag this crap out? Here's the problem. <laughs> it's a book. And it was a movie in the 90s that they did in 90 minutes. Why is it taking them how this much? It just drags well, here, and here's drags the problem. When they... and drags money. Exactly. Money! Same, same
0: thing with uh, the small screen with uh, 13 Reasons Why. They yeah. did season two. Like, what's next? Money! <laughs> well, they, they're doing season three, but the dead girl's not going to be in it. It's like, um... Be you should have stopped. Drugstore. I mean, why are yeah. just the the cash grabbiness? It's like we we we'll, you know we adapted the book, but we're gonna keep going even though. There's no- even though we're out of source material,
1: I brought I brought you over to the, to the dark side because the beginning <laughs> of this semester of our episodes, I was the cynical one, being like, "This summer was horrible. Only the independents were good. All the studio films were awful." I didn't disagree with you. Yeah, that, no, you I know, but like, I feel like my cynicism is <laughs> more <laughs> love on the people around. I just, me. It's I awful, just, though. I really just is. think
0: when you when you get the Grinch, which, I mean, it's a kids' book. Yeah, it's a half-hour cartoon that became a feature live-action film with Jim Carrey. Oh, I, I forgot to put that on the rundown, but we'll talk about that in a bit. It became a, a live-action film with Jim Carrey and then becomes a CGI feature film, which really doesn't... How much can you stretch a 30-minute... 30, 30 minutes worth of material? You know, you're <laughs> really... Oh, we added a new... He's, he's a full-bodied reindeer named Fred. And so he ends up living with the Grinch I and hate, Max for a while. I
2: hate that style of humor. <laughs> that, like, it'd be silly if he had a reindeer and it was named Fred. <laughs> it's like, whoa. I, I have uh, a big vendetta against Illumination Entertainment in general. Uh, okay. adult, Illumination. I don't like
0: I do not like the Minions whatsoever.
2: No, it's the cheapest level of animation. You just bust it out. And but then you make a billion dollars off a of kid.
0: Here's the thing. They've made a, they've made a mint and since the dreamworks acquisition dreamworks is like they're the backup they're like yeah. the and illumination is my understanding is illumination plans to reboot shrek and puss in boots what a nightmare <laughs> yeah. but i hate the minions a couple oh, of years yeah. ago uh <laughs> my bestie's like... my bestie and his family gave gave my kid a talking minion for christmas and i'm like i will have my revenge because that thing oh it's out of batteries isn't we, that a shame
2: you watch their other stuff like like sing that movie sing which is just a lazy film it was, oh, was, was, it, it, it like was awful
1: it was and it was it was there it was there <laughs> it was the, so the, poorly written the racial stereotyping and the yeah. camera oh my was so bad awful it's... So bad,
2: But it still made a billion dollars yeah. off of it, and it's gonna happen forever. That's the how secret, we. secret life
0: there. of pets was not anywhere near as funny as the trailers no. made it out to no, be. That would I not. wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't. I don't know <laughs> if I would call it lazy writing or just no, it's lazy writing.
2: I think it's stupid writing. It's like pandering right. Yeah, it's
0: obvious. It's just obvious. Well, it's 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 like. The, the thing, the worst kind of kids' film are the kids' films that are targeted squarely at the kids and there's nothing yeah. for adults in them. Um, speaking of kids and uh, media, uh, Steven Hillenberg, who created SpongeBob, died yesterday of complications due to ALS. So even though I don't I like SpongeBob, I would like to pimp slap Patrick Starr into another dimension because he's just so stupid. It's like, dude, you. I think Pat,
2: Patrick's a more dynamic character early on. And uh, they just kind of dumb him down more and more. Is that what it is? I think he's, the the show is just, it's it's like The Simpsons. It's just rapid decline over time. Because, you know, early SpongeBob's fantastic.
0: I but in, in those earlier episodes especially, there will be a Rocky and Bullwinkle style joke mm-hmm. that I'll be watching, we'll be watching it with the youngling. Yeah. And Sarah and I will just start laughing and the six-and-a-half-year-old is like, what's so funny? Oh, yeah, and definitely. Because the best kids programming works for adults and doesn't make adults want to stab their eyes out with an ice pick.
2: The the best SpongeBob joke is SpongeBob goes, "I want to." SpongeBob's trying to be more adult, and Patrick goes, "You have to acquire a taste for freeform jazz." And then it cuts to a <laughs> close-up of Patrick, and it starts blasting freeform jazz. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so fun. Uh, I need to see less of that now in in the newer episodes. Yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure in the, in the later se- they're up to season 11 I believe I think that Hillenberg just at that point was just cashing the check and letting other people run the show so, yeah. which is his prerogative it's like yeah, good for him. you create a franchise and sell it to Nickelodeon and you can go home and and uh, make those snow angels <laughs> in your pile of hundred dollar bills like the characters on Break- Breaking Bad um, I do want to talk about maybe in our uh, in our semester finale (laughs) or our our fall finale about uh based on true life movies specifically bohemian rhapsody versus first man because i find it fascinating i've seen them both i like them both for different reasons but one is a huge hit and one is not (laughs) and ironically the one that's more accurate more true to life is the one that's not a hit yeah um audiences don't care
1: about accuracy (laughs) we saw that with the greatest show on earth oh people you 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 still don't like it. People want to be entertained. That's all. That's people want to be entertained.
2: The greatest show on if... earth. Sorry, That's the greatest the showman. Greatest showman. Yeah 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 yeah. Same Sorry, thing. I'm... yeah exactly. Yeah,
1: same the thing. movie about him, I think, is exactly. called the greatest um, show on earth. But no, people want to be entertained, and and Bohemian Rhapsody, from what I understand, is a crowd pleaser, and First Man is a thoughtful <laughs> drama. One has music. One is fun. One's One's, One very in, in, so
0: one's very very interior <laughs> and non-emotional yeah um as for the news amazon has set an all-star cast for modern love which is an adaptation of a new york times column and podcast and so far they've announced tina fey dev patel starring in episodes and emmy rossum formerly of uh oh, what's the thing on showtime shameless yeah is going to be directing uh Amazon has also set a first look deal with Animal Pictures, which is Maya Rudolph and Natasha Leone's company. Mm. And they've also signed a first look deal with Viola Davis production company. So Amazon's rocking and rolling. Um, Ryan and I were talking about earlier with Disney Plus on its way, fourth quarter of 2019, and with Untitled Time Warner streaming service on its way, possibly as soon as third quarter 2019 we're really starting we're starting to reach saturation or have we reached saturation with streaming
1: services i'm i'm saturated i got all i need i'm um, i i yeah now i'm like all right what's coming on amazon what's coming on netflix i'm not i'm not looking to get another service for one show for yeah. one thing and it annoys me that they're all doing it because well, th- i can't have a, a dozen i don't know what they think that we're all going to be paying no, we couldn't pay a set price for cable, but we can pay
2: $120 a month for, for 15 different,
1: different, yeah, different like they're yeah. ridiculous. That's I don't absurd. think the, I don't think the market can bear all these streaming
0: services. And obviously the reason why Disney is acquiring Fox, and the deal is expected to close by New Year, is for that back for that back library.
1: Let them have it. I don't care. I don't want it. I'm 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 annoyed. <laughs> I'm not gonna pay Disney. You Don't have small children. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, that's that's plus the I, market. Plus, I own the Disney stuff. Like, I don't I don't need to. The stuff I, I want, I own. I'm not I'm I'm good. I'm set. But I'm not gonna pay the streaming service just to have them like, oh, you want to watch? We're gonna put all our films in the vault so that you have to get our streaming service. You know, that's mm-hmm. next. Well, it's no, next. what they're doing is they're pulling. They, they will be pulling all their stuff from Netflix and all
0: their streaming services. Well,
1: I know that's going to happen. But, I mean, beyond that, we're going to start seeing them show up on their streaming service and that we're not going to be able to buy it for, like, a month or something. They're going to start <laughs> well, they forcing used, people. They used
0: to rotate everything on a yearly, you know, by X number of years. What You know, certain things they would keep in print and other things they would put, quote-unquote, in the vault. Right. That's yeah. what
1: they do for classics. But I'm I'm expecting to see them do that for new releases, Available on our streaming service oh, now. Available for sale because they're already doing that for digital sales. Oh yeah. For digital sales, you can buy it a month before you can get the actual physical copy. A lot of the times, mm-hmm. they have two different release dates. So I imagine when Disney trying to get people to do their streaming service, they're going to start looking for incentives, ways that you can get it early on. Yeah. Uh, which is fine, but like we're talking about movies that are in theaters anyway, so yeah. I, I'm either going to have seen it if i want to see it or i'm not i'm not paying extra yeah. i'll have seen it for free with my A list which i've already shelled it out is. money for so i'm not going to shell out more money to see it which on a small not screen free, but for the cost of with, you know, you know one thing.
0: premium movie you
1: you know but I i i have that service right. it's already paid for i'm not going to pay for another service like, uh,
2: that's just going to decimate theater attendance you think like, so um well, it, especially if they go that route and oh, releasing yeah, if, if they, releasing movies if early they stuff. On, on their own streaming service and people already pay for it, that's just going to... Because the Disney movies and all that are what bring a billion people into theaters. Like, so I just imagine that if, if it's like, oh, we could see it in a month on our Disney streaming service that we pay for anyway, might as well just wait. I, I don't know. I feel I, like I kids, though,
1: kids waiting. Like, my nephews are always like, you know first weekend the movie they want to see comes out they're going to see it
2: that's crazy
1: no i know but I if think... there's a lot i
0: don't know
2: <laughs> my parents would never go to the, the the day of releases
0: i think that this is going to be this has the potential to be a, a big disruption because the real losers in all of this are going to be the broadcast networks when oh, yeah. when you've got 3 of the 5 remaining networks Possibly three-and-a-half if you include CW, which is half owned by CBS. But when you have three-and-a-half of the five networks represented by entities that have a streaming service, and the only ones that aren't right now are NBC Uni, and I, I just feel in my bones that Comcast is going to announce something about their streaming services, about a streaming service. And actually, Warners has announced theirs, so you do have four of the five broadcast networks will have a streaming presence the broadcast networks are going to be in the position of why do we exist aside from news and sports and the the secondary losers are going to be the cable slash satellite companies because why should i buy your service if i can get everything
1: i need through streaming yeah the answer is i don't i honestly that 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 disruption i wouldn't mind Cable companies have been an annoyance for far too long. <laughs> I haven't had
0: cable since, oh geez, I have not had cable since 96. I've had satellites since then. I installed my first satellite in uh, when I was working on Touch an Angel. We got permission from the landlord. We are up there with that masonry bit drilling the thing in the side of the building. And it just boggled my mind that myself, and I am not mechanically inclined. I mean, I may have a Bachelor of Science in English Flash general engineering degree, but I'm like you know I'm Mr. English. (laughs) But my roommates and I successfully installed the I've installed three satellite systems total before they started giving you installation for free (laughs) as part of the uh, as part of the package deal. But I just don't think that they can. This disruption, this coming disruption, is going to be big enough that you're going to wipe out the need for direct TV and Comcast and Time Warner cable. Because you got everything through digit you know, you'll still need to get internet service somehow, which is why AT&T was smart to hedge their bets by buying Warner. So they have content and they have the me you know, two they have direct TV, they have Uvers. two different means to get it into your home. But I really think Direct T V and the satellite pro- providers and the cable companies days are numbered cuz who needs you especially with the pricing thing i mm-hmm. mean when i called my uh when i called direct tv because there was an issue with my bill they end up lopping a huge chunk off my bill for the next year without me asking them which i was glad you know i'll take the savings but i was thinking about saying hey what can you do because you know ch- uh what's the company spectrums trying to woo me although i heard spectrum sucks
1: I have Spectrum. Spectrum. You have Spectrum? Okay. It's okay?
0: It's fine. I've
2: I've never had a problem. Um...
0: Oh, you'll like this news. Apple has made a deal with A24 to produce an original slate of films.
1: That's fun. I like the A24 part about it, but Apple can (laughs) suck a big one. Yeah. But it's another service coming to you. I mean, they've already got their TV shows now, Apple has TV shows. And that annoys me, <laughs> just like Facebook Live TV shows. Like, just go away. It's a nightmare. <laughs> and, and YouTube shows, go away. Just, oh, just, just what, go YouTube away.
2: Premium? Uh, the YouTube red, the YouTube bread stuff is horrible. You laugh?
0: That weird. Karate Kid thing? What's it called? The Karate Kid sequel? Um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, with Johnny from the other, the rival dojo. You
1: know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That thing
0: is huge. Is it in numbers of views? Oh yeah, they release the numbers. Here's the thing about the streaming services: they will release their numbers when it benefits them. Exactly. <laughs> Netflix never tells you their ratings until oh, Bright was a huge success. X million people watched it. I still thought it was terrible. My wife disagrees, but I just thought lazy writing. <laughs> yeah, that movie was pretty awful. <laughs> it
1: <was laughs> bad. The sci-fi tropes in that one. Uh,
2: uh, is that that's David Ayer, right? Yeah. He's so bad. That guy. He's so bad. I feel bad for him. <laughs> Hello, he, hello. Didn't
1: he direct Suicide
0: Squad? Suicide Squad. Yeah. He's got oh. so
2: much passion. Yeah. He really <laughs> likes himself.
0: He <laughs> revealed, I'm doing air quotes in the Who Cares department. He revealed that the, an original draft of the Suicide Squad script was going to have Steppenwolf and Parademons as bad guys, Okay. which is why Enchantress goes bad. And then some twit at, at Warner Brothers Studio decided, oh no, let's have Steppenwolf let's save him for justice league when justice league really should have been dark side it's all it it doesn't matter because both of those movies are terrible and i don't care (laughs) that suicide squad made a lot of money it's still bad and justice league didn't make a lot of money because it's bad i
2: can't i can't i can't believe that bright made money because he watched the first like 10 minutes of bright and it's ridiculous it was a
0: huge hit for them that's crazy it was a huge hit for them. They greenlit the sequel. They fired the writer, but they greenlit the sequel.
2: Well, that makes me sad because they have such good other films that I feel like nobody watched them.
1: Yeah, it is. It's unfortunate that the yeah. movies that are actually really good on Netflix like, are the ones that people aren't watching. I feel like
0: nobody saw Hold the Dark. i yeah. talk about Hold the Dark forever. I think part of the problem is they're releasing too much content too quickly without doing any kind of promo and just counting on word of mouth. Yeah. Because they'll drop something and you find out that dropped already? Mm. I had no idea Narcos was up to season well, what would be season four normally, but right. the yeah. spin off Narcos Mexican.
1: No, I mean it's fair to call it season four. They're not listening it that way, but it's it's fair to call it season four and that um a certain character that's the focus of the first show shows up in this one. Oh wow. Uh, very briefly. But of course there's the Mexican cocaine is coming from somewhere. Um, so there's some dealing with Colombian drug lords, so they m- find a way to blend the seasons together anyway. But yeah, it's listed as a- another show. It's really not, it's just another season.
0: It's a marketing ploy. Yeah. It's all new, it's got a subtitle. Woo! Mm-hmm. Uh, BET has snagged First Wives Club from Paramount Network. And that's, that's, again, existing IP. It's a TV show based on a movie. Uh, Disney Plus has added Gina Carano to the cast of The Mandalorian with Pedro Pascal. And for those of you out there in uh, in streaming land, uh, The Mandalorian is a Star Wars spin-off, a live-action series from executive producer Jean Favreau, who also has made this new Lion King movie. Did anybody <laughs> see the trailer for the
1: air-quote live action Lion King I don't watch trailers if I can help it but I saw the look of it whatever
2: it looks weird it looks like odd for a heartfelt movie to be like super ultra realistic
0: I just think I just think it's interesting that people people keep saying live action it's not live action it's still a cartoon if it's CGI I don't care how photorealistic they are they're not
1: really there but it's live action and they, they actually shot something so it is live action it's not animation
2: I don't think they shot anything it's not I see it's, I haven't watched it it's all CG it's so 100% it's different CG. than the jungle book
1: yeah Yeah. There's, oh, okay. there's no humans in it I thought it was like well I know but I thought it was like the jungle book if you didn't have that human character mm-hmm. that's still a live action film even without the human character they're shooting they're going out and shooting live yeah. footage so it's still a live-action film. It's not just on paper or on This so. is all on the computer. computer.
0: Okay. CGI characters, CGI background.
1: Yeah, see, I didn't realize that. I thought it was going to be like the jungle <laughs> without a human character. You know, eh, they probably well, still make a buttload of money. Of course they will. It's Disney. Disney makes a buttload of money on everything they do. It doesn't really matter what the quality they is. They
2: can do this every 40 years. No, the technology will improve, and then we'll get it even
1: more realistic. You think they're going to wait 40 years? They've got three. Like <laughs>
0: but they've got three of these coming next year. Yeah. Because we get
1: Tim Burton's Dumbo. No, but he needs until they do it again. Oh, oh yeah. they'll probably do it again Because it was like...
2: What was the first one? 40,
1: no, but like, it's going to be less... Like Cut that in half. What 40, was the first years. live action? Yeah, Disney what was movie? the
2: first live action? Was it Cinderella?
0: Technically 101
1: Dalmatians. Yeah,
2: Okay. That was, yeah. But like more, the more modern ones then...
1: Yeah, there was Jungle Book, there was Cinderella, Cinderella? there was...
2: Uh, Maleficent. Maleficent, uh, which is not terrible. really
1: yeah. technically the same thing. If that's Baby Beauty, though. Nah. It's a of course, that'll issue. be the sequel. But even
2: then, 100%. okay, cin- let's say Cinderella. Then, when is the next Cinderella movie? The like reboot? Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cinderella is pretty... ten years away.
1: <laughs> oh, when's the next Jungle Book? Oh, wait, it's coming out this week. Oh, the sequel? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the Netflix one. Oh, the Netflix Jungle Book, the yeah. one that had to sit on the shelf for a while. Yeah, people. <laughs> oh, uh, but we could, and plus, <laughs> we've we've forgotten to mention Aladdin too. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. Which I haven't seen the trailer. Um, Guy Ritchie's doing Aladdin. Which is a weird choice for for Disney. Yeah, he directed. Guy Ritchie is directing the live action. Well, no, it's it's pretty much done because it's opening next year. Yeah, it's Guy Ritchie.
2: I thought that teaser was dumb. Because
1: you know, that's what I think. (laughs) Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. Aladdin. British crime. Tim Burton. Gangster like gritty Tarantino films. (laughs) 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 films. Aladdin. Burton's Dumbo. Uh, Tim Burton it makes a little more sense because he's done the uh, mm-hmm. that for them already, so you know how and they what? are. The Alice in Wonderland. Oh, it was terrible. Uh, it was, but but he's established oh, it himself, was terrible. and he did it. he did it not Disney, yeah. but he did it for Charlie as well, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. I mean, so he's shown he can repurpose just generic visuals with, oh yeah, you know, it has Tim Burton's demo anyway. Little like, flair. I'm the, the, the cynical
0: part of me wonders why they haven't done the Frozen live action remake because
1: because they did Maleficent and it's the exact same movie I'm just kidding but the well, end well. is that that result ending is well, like the, ending, the exact the en- thing. ending is the exact same thing which, which is la- lazy
0: writing exactly
1: <laughs> but we do get Frozen 2 Electric
0: Boogaloo next year I'm joking about the Electric Boogaloo <laughs> part. but we are getting Frozen Not 2, 2 next year um, Netflix is creating a, a slate of original programming based on Roald Dahl books that I'll watch it. could be good. Yeah, it could be. It could be good. Um, could be good. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I would rather see. I wish they could include uh, the Charlie books plural in that, and please, we don't need a Charlie and Chocolate Factory prequel, so don't make one. Mm-hmm. And we could use a Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator sequel because the book's been there since the seventies, and nobody's ever tried. But. Uh, and even though it hasn't opened yet, Sony, surprise, surprise, is developing sequels and spinoffs to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, oh, yeah. which is the CGI uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man movie. Although Peter Parker and G- Peter Parker Spider-Man, the traditional uh, Marvel Universe Spider-Man and uh, Spider-Noir and Spider-Gwen and even Spider-Ham. <laughs> are going to show up.
2: had that, that come out yet? No? At Christmas mm-hmm. time. Christmas. Yeah. Christmas I, time. That.
0: I think it looks fun. It could it could be fun. I just, I still hate that Sony is proceeding with this, <laughs> we're going to make this Spider-Verse franchise. It's like, oh, come on. Spider-Man is a character, a set of characters, but to try to do a whole connected Spider- I mean, the Venom movie, did either of you see Venom? Mm-hmm. Nope. It's not awful, but it's not great either. But it's making tons of money. You have the box office numbers, overseas and especially it just opened in China, huge business. And I'm just wondering, why?
2: Oh, because <laughs> it's a known IP. <laughs> well,
1: you mean I mean China as well. They they, if we're gonna be like, I'm pretty sure China got to the superhero films before we did actually. When did Black Mask come out? That came out in the 90s. The Mask? The Black Mask. Black Mask, um, Jet Li. Oh, uh, that, uh, ni-
0: I think 90s.
1: Yeah, I feel I feel like that preceded a lot of the American, you know, the X-Men, Spider-Man, the wave. So, I, you know, and they've always done, well, not all of them, but, it, you know, big CGI spectacles in China are always gold. Huh. So I feel like... I saw those numbers. Saw the Transformers like, really? release keeps getting made. Uh, Transformers movies wouldn't be made if, if China wasn't still watching them. They don't make as much money here as they do in China. I'm
0: interested if Bumblebee will be appropriate for small children. Because <laughs> it looks like it's going to have a different tone than those first
1: yeah. five.
0: Is it still Michael Bay? I don't think he's directing. I think he's just producing. I was surprised he stuck with that franchise for as long as he did. I mean, not in a good way because they're still terrible movies I don't care how much money they make they're not good movies I mean they're the most expensive toy commercials ever made
1: yeah but I mean I I I think it's the problem is I watch a lot of Chinese blockbusters oh. and a majority of them who who directed it?
2: Travis Knight who directed Kubo and the Two Strings yeah oh he
1: That's directed um, Bumblebee? yeah interesting he's
0: a contender to direct Guardians 3 evidently interesting they're, they're, they're trying him out I guess
2: I mean, I liked Kubo a lot. Oh, Kubo that was awesome. so
0: pretty. A, a friend's a friend's daughter worked on it. Um, I was annoyed that Kubo, of course, lost to the Disney Pixar mafia, because it's the the stop motion was so good. People thought it was CGI.
1: Art, art doesn't win at Academy Awards in terms of animation. Art doesn't win. It, it hasn't oh, for since they created it. But you look I, at every single year that that they've had the category. It's never the, the respected art film. It's always the most the, the, the popular mm-hmm. and the Although one that sells the H- most.
0: Happy Feet was the Dark Horse when it won Best But it was
1: such a, that was such a hit, though. <laughs> was it? It was such a hit. Seriously? It was a huge hit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, even though it was kind of a surprise that it won, it was a huge hit. Like, audiences loved that movie to
2: the point they ever made a sequel. You know, Happy Feet's oh. directed by George Miller.
1: Yes. Yeah. That kind yes. of upset you so much. What babe?
0: <gasps> babe. <laughs> what uh, babe? yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it kind of puts I me mean, on edge. It's kind of
1: like <laughs> the fact that David Lynch did a straight story. Yeah. just these strange choices sometimes uh, when you're like, what? <laughs> Like uh, Guy that, Ritchie doing the Little Mermaid. <laughs> that, that, that
0: was the year that David Lynch, David Mamet, and somebody—oh, and Scorsese—all had like G-rated movies. Oh yeah, Cundin our or PG whatever
1: was uh, yeah that year as well. Crazy. Um,
0: let's move on talking to our uh, talk about our feature story, which is IPs versus Indies. Ding ding. Um, give a big shout out to A twenty four. Which was the big winner at the Gotham Awards last night, in uh, the independent, sponsored by the independent Independent Film Project, Aphasia Much, uh, First Reformed, which I have downloaded from iTunes in 4K for five bucks.
1: So I look forward to watching that. I have the I have similar issues to that as I do a Star's one. Remember what I was talking about First Reformed? Like I love it until the last five minutes, Into and it. then I'm and then I'm. <laughs> I like I hate it but it's got my head going in circles trying to figure out what the filmmaker's trying to say and i'm oh, not sure if it's, it's yeah well i'm i'm not sure <laughs> if it's if it's a failure in screenwriting that i'm not clear on what it, it, the ending is supposed to be or if it's a successful art film and that i'm still thinking about it yeah. months after i've seen it. it not like angry that. but still d- d- thinking about it and i haven't yeah. come to any solid solution as to what i actually feel or think um but Ethan Hawke won for actor, and Schrader
0: won for screenplay. Eighth grade won for breakthrough act actress Elsie. What do you know what her last name? Uh, Fisher. Elsie mm-hmm. Fisher won for breakthrough actress, and uh, Bo Burnham won for breakthrough director. Con- Tony Collette won for best actress for Hereditary, and the uh, best picture went to Sony Picture Classics, The Writer.
1: I was surprised by that, but I yeah. liked that movie a lot. The Writer. Yeah, I was. I was surprised. I wouldn't have been my choice. I know nothing about it. What's um, the pitch? It's a uh, uh, non-professional actors playing out basically a variation on their actual lives. So there's there's is it rodeo like yeah text? there's there's one of the actors a supporting actor um, was a rodeo rider and he clearly actually has injuries from oh wow uh, like he's disabled now and they use him in the film and it's about the main character who's had to quit riding. Ah, uh, quit working in the rodeo because of too many injuries. He has a brain injury and he can't continue. Some kind any. of like concussions. Yeah, but he's he's an actual rider because uh, there's a scene, an uncut shot of him just training a horse, and you know, like this is this is not a non professional. This guy is just doing what he does, um, and then you watch the credits. There's like a lot of family names, mm-hmm. so the people are playing variations of themselves in the movie. It's it's a very realistic. Um, small indie film. Yeah, great acting, but very naturalistic. I'm just surprised. I didn't expect to see that. Yeah. And of course
0: and in the next few weeks, it's it's award season, so every every critic's organization will be releasing its picks for uh, Best Picture and whatnot. And it, right now it looks like um oh um what's his face? Um Bradley Cooper and somebody else or like the, the you know the, the front runners for for best actor um, uh, you know I love a franchise film that's well made you know well written well acted well produced as much as the next person but I don't like franchise films that are lazily that are sloppy you know sloppy or sloppy or lazy writing, poorly produced. And I, one of the hazards of going from an environment where, you know, when I started teaching 20 years ago, there were eight studios. We're soon to be down to five with the acquisition of Disney, and with the merger of Disney and Fox. That kind of worries me in terms of, yes, they each will still have an indie. Well, I don't think Disney's ever really had a viable indie division. I guess it was Miramax for a while before the Weinstein before
1: two Weinstein embrolios ago. Yeah, but I mean, like the Miramax for for a few years was indie, and then they just became this behemoth that would just pay for awards basically. So I don't. I, it's hard to. Like they're not really responsible; they're just buying up people's work and mm-hmm. then, then cashing in on it. But that's
0: what a lot of the that's what a lot of the studios indie divisions have done though is they just buy. That's true. They just you know they go to they, they take their shopping list to Sundance, and Bazinga! You know we think this is going to be hot. We think this is going to get us Oscars, and we let's buy it.
1: Yeah. Um, but like the things that come from Sony Picture Classics, for example, tend to be things that like oh, this is a respected film, this is done good at festivals, this is a good filmmaker, and they don't go crazy with their promotion, whereas the things, especially in the 90s, the Miramax would put their name on, it, 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 they would treat it like it was a blockbuster. Yeah. It wasn't treated as like a small little film that's like, no, let's blow it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about that I find obnoxious. Christian Bale, for his performance advice,
0: which is... Opens up in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we feel about this? I mean, personally, I feel that the, you know, Annapurna Pictures and A20, A24 are, gonna, are really the things that keeps America Cinema going for the purists because the studios only seem to be interested in tentpole films that put butts in the seats so they win the box office and they can show their investors a strong balance sheet and it's got so little to do with art. I mean, it, yes, it's called show business, but man, it, you used to at least think that a major studio would release you know, a hidden gem, and now all those hidden gems are basically being acquired by major studios mm-hmm. from somewhere else, or you've got Anna Perner and A24 really, who, who are the people behind A24, do you know that? I do not. You don't, do either of you know? Mm-mm. Because I know with, with Perna, it's the Edelson family. I can't can Google it. Yes, <laughs> quick to the Google case. Da, 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 da. Um, but I don't know. I mean, do you think part of the problem is that we're... I firmly believe that if you put a great film in front of a real audience, they will see it and appreciate it for what it is. But the problem nowadays seems to be how do you get that great film in front of a, you know, an audience?
2: I don't necessarily think that's true. You don't? I do. Most of the very, very good films I've seen in the past like four or five years, I've had people walking out of the theater, people like actively, or sitting there alone. And See, but here's like... the
1: problem right now. You guys are using the term great movie as though it's not subjective. Mm-hmm. Your idea of a great movie is a movie like Hereditary or yeah. First Reformed or the movie that are more difficult. And don't get me wrong, like I appreciate those, but the average audience like we we're talking about, even if it's not accurate to real life or if it's uh, a little bit cheesy or whatever, they want to be pleased. They yeah. want to be satisfied. So the crowd pleasers have a better chance. Well, what, mon- what makes me wonder is like what about the crowd pleasers that are small? Um uh what is the the uh Mahershali, the green um, uh, the green, green Book. The Green Book. That's that's a big example of a studio film that's very small that you would expect to be an indie, but I don't think audiences are going to see that one either. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're as interested in these small, personal, human stories anymore. And,
0: and National Board of Review just named that their their pick as best film of 2018. See, Brilliant. okay, let's, let's backtrack then, Ryan. I will define a great film as a film that critics love but that is accessible to real people. You know, Joe and Jane, Q. Public. And I'll give you a, I'll give an example from my life. When I was in college, some friends and I were gonna go see whatever the latest Bond movie was. Sold out! Poster in the lobby for The Gods Must Be Crazy. You know, big huge review, you must see this movie, it's a great movie, it's a comedy, blah, blah, blah. We loved it. And the only reason we went to see that movie is because the Bond movie, Bond whatever it was, Bond teen, was sold out, so we went to see Guys Must Be Crazy. And I've seen it a couple of times since. And we had a good time. Because we now have these megaplexes where, hey, if you wait an hour, that big hit tentpole movie will be playing again if this show is sold
1: out. Yeah. But I mean, I think there's word of mouth too. Because if you think about when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came love out. That the movie. fact that everyone went to go see that, even people that didn't read subtitles. And that's because of word of mouth. But I, I... There are, you know, hundreds of other movies, martial art movies that no one sees because the word of mouth isn't there. And I would say that they're better and people would appreciate them even more. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still how many podcasts have I mentioned the raid movies and no one sees those movies and they'll blow your mind. But no one watches them because the word of mouth's not out there. It's. I don't know, and your idea of, of a good movie again is I think your definition because that idea of like oh it's good One but it's also accessible, criti- critically acclaimed but accessible to real. I mean, but some people like the critically acclaimed but not accessible films, and some <laughs> people like the some people like the no. Not... I just put his hands up. <laughs> yeah, and then some people like the not critically acclaimed but crowd pleasing movies. Like I've talked to people that uh, um, what's an example of a movie that's horrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, uh, even despicable me. <laughs> yeah, uh. y- y- you'll even find people that like enjoy the su- Suicide Squads or the Justice Leagues or the, you know the movies that the critics don't like. Uh, you're going With to find <laughs> a group of people that would still prefer to watch that mm-hmm. than an o- Oscar award winning, you know, than they would be Twelve Years a Slave. Um, Winter of my discontent. Because there's just, it's just, some people don't want, they want to turn their brain off entirely. That
2: That's movie culture now. That's what I think about movie culture now is that a, so many, most of the viewing public goes into a movie and turns it off and watches for base elements. You can put a movie in front of someone's face and the cinematography is awful and the writing is like super bad. And I feel like still, as long as it's coherent enough, people will be like, yeah, it wasn't bad and it's like that's because there's no there's like no scale nobody has seen good movies
0: it's interesting a a friend of mine uh a friend of mine my my former small group leader from church posted the original version of the afi 100 list on his facebook feed and then asked his you know Mm -hmm. people on the wall you know how many of these movies have you seen and i informed him there's actually an updated list but we went back and forth and some people had issues with certain movies, and et cetera, et cetera. But if you look at it, whether you agree or disagree, the AFI 100 list is "quote unquote" the canon of American cinema as selected by scholars, critics, and filmmakers. And I would submit to you the the revised list is a little bit better. Rounding it out so it's not as hoity toity as the first list, which tends to be a little bit more esoteric, but there are some movies in that list that people may not have ever seen had it not been on the list, and they would have been missing out on treats uh for me one of my fa- it's in my top my top ten list is by genre, not by you know number one, <laughs> but my favorite thriller is the the 1962 Manchurian Candidate, mm-hmm. and my buddy John says, "Oh, have you seen the sequ- have you seen the remake?" It's like, no, I haven't seen the remake because the original's perfect. <laughs> I mean, um, but it's got Denzel in it. It's like, I don't care. I love Denzel, but not enough to to watch the re- the inferior remake of this classic movie, which you know you both seen it right. Yeah, the original, I love yeah. that movie. Oh, and it's ahead of its time in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think here's my concern. Let me let me sum up. To quote Inigo Montoya, um, my concern is that at the if film if you judged film's aesthetic goodness equi- equivalent with nutrition, a lot of the movie-going public would be malnourished because most of the films we see are just junk food. And again, I love popcorn as much as the next person, but you can't eat popcorn all the time, because a you're, you will get sick, and b you will be malnourished. And I just wish that my fear is that with studios focusing so much just on tent poles and bottom line and franchises and whatnot, we're quashing the possibility. We we've squished out the mid uh, the the mid-range budget movie. I mean, you either generally get the low budget, or you get this. Gargantuan budget movie. There's yeah. like Green uh, Books and Anomaly. Yeah, Green Books and Anomaly. And the fact that when I first heard about it, it's like universal? How'd that happen? <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of movie that every studio would be make a lot of Green Books because they tend to make their money back. But the problem is the, the suits philosophy is we don't
1: want to just make our money back we want to make a lot more money Mm -hmm. because Green Book doesn't have potential to sell overseas (laughs) nope so why are they interested in it suddenly it becomes well that's limited that's niche that's only for America that's suddenly niche like that's ridiculous but it's true and that's true of, of any of the films that we've talked about that won at the Gotham Awards as well. First Reformed, especially, but Eighth Grade is a total crowd pleaser, mm-hmm. and that should have been a widespread, you know, it, but it wasn't. Did it go? It didn't go wide. Did it it? it went. It was in AMC it theaters. It was fairly wide. People I saw it just weren't AMC watching theater. it. I
2: saw See, it that, in that, that kind of agrees. Say what? I saw it in Edwards
1: the one right by my house. I saw it on Lemley but I saw it Mm. playing at AMC's and it bothers me don't get me wrong I liked Hereditary but why was Hereditary wide and 8th grade not? Because 8th grade was a crowd pleaser Hereditary should have been like First Reform it should have been in art theaters why was Mother wide Oh, mother has why no business in the studio. Bell. That is the most ridiculous marketing you know Why?
0: I think it's part of Aronofsky's deal with Paramount. Yeah, Paramount. but the fact <laughs> that they
1: just gave him freedom, like it—that that's one of those movies yeah. that it's a—it's that was a miracle. That movie. Yeah, you got
0: to you, you got to remember that some studios keep their relationships with indie darlings because they like the prestige. Yeah. So we will give you know we, we'll just we'll take the hit. Yeah. Financially, because we want to be in the Aronofsky business. But it's interesting
1: that some And Noah made money. Yeah. People don't realize (laughs) that. That's true. As
0: as, as much as the Christian community carped about Noah not being biblically accurate and uh, whatnot, Noah made money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's one God in Hollywood, and it's green. When I went to go see Mother,
2: um, I was in a pretty packed audience. And at one point, a man and his family of eight people stand up and walk out and he's like grumbling and he's like dumb stupid movie
1: oh i'm not surprised Is and this then, at the end of the movie or during the movie it was uh it could have been within the first 10 like minutes
2: end of second act yeah oh, geez. uh yeah. right when it's getting like weird <laughs> getting weird and he has a confederate flag hat on it's oh, great geez. it was great yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a great but i mean yeah, that's true that there's some directors that, that studios are willing to still uh you know take the hit or the yeah. interest in the prestige but then why are there so many prestigious name actors that are forced to be on small screen the Netflix the Amazon they're the not
0: forced it's a forced question of to... material and I mean they have more creative control yeah I guess es- that's a, especially for control especially for the women especially for a, a lot of a lot of uh, female actors I could call them actresses but I'm sorry for being politically incorrect or p- being politically correct, if you look at Big Little Lies. Another book, which is getting a second season after they adapted the book, because, oh, it won a lot of awards, so the limited series becomes an an, an open-ended series. But Meryl Streep's gonna be in season two. I mean, and uh, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon are two of the producers on that. I mean, they, they like, the uh, the women like the creative control that television affords them, and... That's why you see, you know, we we talked about two of the deals Amazon's made with female-driven t- production companies. I mean, and face it, there is more, I would argue, there is more quality television being done per capita than film.
1: Well, okay, for television, but I feel like a lot of the films that end up on Netflix is because they couldn't get the theatrical, distribution. theatrical distribution. So, like, they, even the... Bust the Buster Scrubs mm-hmm. got limited theatrical, just so they could have that prestige of being theatrical, but and be up for awards. But it couldn't get a wide release when when it's a Coen Brothers film. Like normally, you would get at least oh yeah a wide release. Charlie Kaufman couldn't even get his last his last thing made. What was it? The uh, uh, Here and Why, which was going to be a TV show. It, we can't. It's gone. We'll never see it. It's it was made and they wouldn't. No one bought it. Are you serious? Yeah. It mm-hmm. just it, he made Anomalisa. That was in two thousand fourteen. It's never been seen anywhere.
0: How has nobody snapped that up?
1: Because that's where we're at now. <laughs> yeah. If it's too weird, if it's too out there, this filmmaker that everything he's done has gotten Academy Award nomination, basically, since being John Malkovich. And mm-hmm. he won for uh, Eternal yeah, Sunshine. Yeah, he's won. And, he's de- won. And, and deserved it. Yeah, he's an he, Academy Award winning actor that almost everything he's done it gets attention, and yet he can't get just just get yeah. someone to show his... But TV isn't that isn't
0: that, doesn't that prove my point that we're we're crushing yeah absolutely you know it's more now than ever you know with this it's an oligopo- oligopoly where you've got this handful literal handful of major studios controlling what we can see in theaters
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I don't know cool. I just. Boy, eighth grade. I just wanted to reach through and give her a hug. It's like it's gonna be okay. Trust well, me. That's what the okay. dad does.
2: That's I. That is the best movie dad. In eighth grade, he's so nice,
0: and she's still terrible he's, to him. He's so I mean, perfect, perfect. That perfect, guy. Though. I know it's, it's perfect. Well, it's because teenage teenage girls and, de-
1: yeah. and parents they just don't connect. See, and that's that's a perfect example though. That movie. There's no reason why that movie was. Sh- it should have been a. Think of, think about even 10, 15 years ago. That should have been a little Miss Sunshine. That mm-hmm. should have been, you know, one of those movies that's just, this big hit that everyone goes to yeah. see. This darling, mm-hmm. you know, crowd pleaser. We don't have those anymore. Those don't happen anymore, unfortunately. Is it a marketing? It's so problem? rare. I don't know because I've seen a lot of marketing for Green Book, and I just don't see the interest. I think there's just too many many options. You think part mm-hmm. of the problem with
0: Green Book is because of the racism? People are just so with with current events the way they are. It's like, oh, but
1: just... it's feel good though. So I feel like. Like, they don't show any of the negative stuff in the trailer. They show, like, the bonding and the, Mm -hmm. you know... So we should... There should be, like, that celebration. um, And it seems to be what people want right now. Well, it it feels like that... Oh, go ahead. Oh,
2: no. I think it's because marketing is often tailored now. Like, heavily tailored to you as the consumer. So if you're watching, like, uh, Hulu or you're watching, like, YouTube or something, right your ads are tailored to you and everything you search and everything you do like, so all of my ads are A 24 movies. All of my ads are like A (laughs) 24 Annapurna's indie films. That's hilarious. And then everybody else's is like Ralph wrecks the internet. And it's like, (laughs) I think that's it because everybody's put into a little box because people are trying to market as efficiently
0: as possible. Niche marketing. Hmm well we're really i mean the term broadcasting is even almost an oxymoron because the audiences the networks are getting these days are not broad they are so narrow it's not funny and uh i'm sure we will talk about similar things in the weeks ahead uh thanks for joining us and we'll be out there in a couple of weeks with uh, our christmas special bye